Well, you're already seated, and it's just my pleasure to welcome you again to church uh, here at Faith City Church, as well as at Faith City Church Online. We're so glad that you're with us from whatever time and place you're watching. I believe that God's got something for you today. Maybe you've already picked up on that. Maybe he's already speaking to you as we believe that he does. Maybe as we share in the word today, you'll learn a little something too. That's our prayer. And before we get into that, you know, we are a family church and we love to do life together. And we know some of you that are online, there's a little bit of distance there. We're thankful that God closes that gap. But a little bit of news for you online and here. Um, there was an email that was sent out by the office uh, this week with a little bit of news about some transitions. And uh, if you didn't get that email, I'm not going to tell you what the news was. You need to sign up for that newsletter and then you'll get it. No, I will tell you, but do sign up for the newsletter in case you uh, in case you missed that. But we just want to let you know this morning that Pastor Jordan, uh, who's been on staff with us, I think it's now five years. She was here uh, a number of years part-time and then full-time. Um, she is transitioning off of the staff. She's uh, resigning. Um, and her last day with us here in her formal role will be December 6th. So circle that on your calendar um, because we'll love on her that day and bless her and all that kind of stuff. But we want to let you know that. And uh, Jordan's going to be remaining here at Faith City Church, going to be a member. This is just the next step in her fulfilling the purposes of God uh, in her life. And, you know, she discerned uh, better than anyone, just like all of you, can discern the voice of the Lord and what he is saying to you. So Glenn and I, the whole staff, were just very supportive Though, uh, of course, we'll be a little sad to not see her on a day-to-day basis, but we want to let you know that, and uh, you can find out more details online if you check out the video, and uh, just encourage you to bless Pastor Jordan whenever you see her, and uh, the good news is that we'll still see her uh, in the future, but just in a, in a different capacity, right? So um, we'll take a moment just now, we'll pray for her, and then we'll get to the word. She's hiding, I think, because uh, she didn't want me to embarrass her like I might have in the first service, but <laughs> we'll leave that alone. God, we thank you for family, um, Lord, and this family of God that you've given us, Lord. For so many of us, Lord, this is, this is more real than even any earthly family that you have given us, God, and we're thankful for it. We're thankful that we can do life together. We're thankful that we have uh, friendships and family uh, to journey with in the spiritual walk with you. And uh, Lord, today we thank you for Jordan, who's a part of that family. We just pray, God, um, as uh, she chases you and chases the, the dreams and callings that are on her life, that you would bless her in that. We pray you to order her steps, open all the right doors for her. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. So if you got your Bible with you today, I'm going to invite you to uh, scroll on your phone to John chapter 4 or turn to John chapter 4. We're going to read a little bit from there. John chapter 4. Uh, beginning at around verse 21, and then we're going to also read from Matthew 26. So John 4, 21 says this, Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming. Now, before I go on here, just, I always like to mention this when I read this. Jesus is the only one that can say, woman. All right, guys? So just FYI, if you're, you know, working on finding that lovely lady, this is the one place where we don't want to follow Christ's example, if I can say that. Woman, all right. Woman, believe me, the, mount, uh, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know, and we worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews, but the hour is coming and now is here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. And then over to Matthew 26, 
Matthew 26, beginning at verse 6. Matthew 26, beginning at verse 6, it says this. Now, when Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, a woman came up to him with an alabaster flask, very expensive ointment, and she poured it from his head as he reclined at the table. And when the disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, Why the waste? For this could have been sold for a very large sum and given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why do you trouble the woman for? She has done a beautiful thing to me for. You will always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. In pouring this ointment on my body, she has done it to prepare me for burial. Truly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. And just one last scripture, Romans 12, verse 1. Romans 12, verse 1, says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies, your lives, as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Lord, again, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it brings life to us. And we just invite you to speak to us today. By the power of your spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever gone on an experience or on a trip to experience something that you waited maybe a long, long time to do? Or maybe an event, maybe you were wanting to go catch a concert or a sports event and you, know, you were looking forward to it for a long time. I know sometimes living out here in Halifax, sometimes we had to travel to take in some of those things. So maybe you waited for a while or saved up for a while or whatever the case may be, you had to wait a long time to go and do something that you wanted to do. Maybe, it's a, maybe it was a vacation. Can you guys relate? You know, saving up, thinking about it, planning for it, going to do it. Yeah? You headed on a trip, experienced something. And then after you've experienced the thing that you went to experience, whether it's the concert or it's the sporting event or it's a vacation, what do you kind of buy at the end of the trip before you come home? Souvenirs. That's right. Those good old souvenir shops or the, the tables out in the concert hall or whatever where you go and you buy the t-shirt or you buy, you know, one of those big hands. Has anybody got one of those before? Those big pointy hands? I wish I had one of those, but you know, you buy those things and you take them home with you and you, you remember the trip, right? You remember the football game. You remember whatever because you buy some memorabilia or you buy a souvenir. Wherever you go, whether you go to PEI or you go somewhere far, you go somewhere near, there's always those souvenir shops, right? Souvenir shops. So I, I've, I wanted to make a trip for a long time. Ever since I was a kid, I wanted to make a trip down to Florida to one of those theme parks that will remain unnamed. And when I finally got there when I was 34... <laughs> I bought this mug, you know, to remind me, if you've been on a Zoom call with me, you might have seen this mug, and you've been really kind not to mention it, because it's a bit of a childish mug, but it reminds me of my trip. So we buy these things to remind us of the experiences that we have had. Now, my wife has put a moratorium on buying mugs, because we have a whole cupboard full of these, <laughs> these kinds of mugs, and she's like, I, we can't give that to people when they come over, stop buying mugs. Stop by souvenirs. Now it's my son. You know, I've passed it from one generation to the next. So now he's always like, Dad, can we go? Uh, yes, buddy, we'll go. Because we want to remember, right? We want to remember these wonderful experiences and things that we have done. But the souvenir is just a thing. It's not the experience, right? Right? It just reminds us of it. 
It isn't the experience, but it brings back memories of the, the joy, the fun we had. You know, you go on the big scary ride, and then when you come out, they always get you. You come out at the end of the ride, and there's this beautiful shop you walk through. They have all those t-shirts of I went on the Tower of Doom or whatever it is. You buy it because you're excited. You want to remember the experience. We do that with keepsakes, weddings, and other uh, events in life. Uh, we did it this morning in uh, the first service. We, we, we um, welcome new members to the church. And so Pastor Corey had these nice certificates done up for them. And it, it reminds them of what, something that they've accomplished. They've come and become a part of membership. And they can look at that if they do. And they, they know, I'm a member here. We get certificates from marriage, all these sort of things, education, and we look at that on our wall and say, wow, I did something, I got that, I done it. it demonstrates to us that we've earned something and earned it through experience. Souvenirs remind us of the experiences we've had. And that's not unlike the scripture that we've read this morning that deals with worship. John chapter 4. Jesus speaking to the woman at the well, right? We know that story, and I've talked about it a lot. There's so much going on in that chapter. The little section I read today talks about worship. And Jesus and this woman are are debating or discussing worship, and she's saying, yeah, you know, we know that we should worship on this mountain over here because for her culture, they were Jewish in part, and so they worshiped God, Jehovah, but they worshiped him over on the mountain. And the Jews, she said, you guys say we should worship over there in the temple. And then Jesus said, yeah, but listen, I'm saying to you, soon you're not going to worship in either place. In fact, right now, you're not going to worship in the temple or on the hill because you're going to worship right here. And he reveals to her that he is the Messiah, right? You follow that story. What Jesus was really saying there is, I'm the temple. Hello, it's me, the Messiah. I have come. And now you don't come to God through your worship in a temple. You come to God through worship through me, through Jesus, the ultimate temple, the fulfillment of all of that worship that predated in the centuries That happened before. Souvenirs. You know, it's interesting because the temple was full of souvenirs, reminders of the experiences the people of God had had. The Ark of the Covenant, you might remember that either if you read the Bible or if you watch Indiana Jones. And in fact, the first one is the best one, and it's all about the Ark. But you'll even remember from the movie, but also from reading the Word of God, more importantly, that there were souvenirs, if you will, in the Ark. There was Aaron's rod that had budded miraculously. There were the Ten Commandments, the tablets. They were in there. And then there was a jar of manna that demonstrated God's faithfulness all through the wilderness. When they would collect the manna, they had the jar of manna, and they had these things in the box, souvenirs, and they carried them around with them through the wilderness. And they built the tabernacle. Remember that in Exodus? And they built these exquisite, complicated plans for this tabernacle that was portable, it was a tent, and so they would really, they were on a camping trip for 40 years. <laughs> Setting up tent, worshiping God, checking out the relics in there, the souvenirs, reminding themselves of God's amazing faithfulness, and then they would tear it down and do it again. I mean, it was good I was not tenting, because I just, it's not my forte. But they camped. And then the tabernacle eventually became a temple. Solomon, King Solomon, David's son, built the temple. And it was beautiful. The amount of finance and the amount of effort that went into crafting this beautiful building where God would be unbelievable. People would come from far and wide to see it. And they would come there to worship God. They had to come there. They had to go to a place. 
And they had to follow a certain prescription of rules and regulations. Have you ever read the book of Deuteronomy? You go through all of the law and there's different things in there about how we would worship Yahweh. And they came through a person, the priest. And only certain people could be part of the priesthood. So only certain people could come close to God's presence. And only one person could actually enter into his presence. And it wasn't you or me. We were far off from God. We had to keep our distance. We could check out the relics. We could check out the souvenirs. We could check out the building. But we could not approach God. So all has to do with worship today. We're talking about worshiping God more. That's the value that we're unpacking today. So we have the temple. And then the Israelites go into captivity and the temple is destroyed, torn apart. And the ark disappears. We don't even know where it is today. There's rumor that it might be in Ethiopia, guarded. It's actually a story. You can check it out online. Really interesting. National Geographic has done some Research into it. it's fascinating, but we don't know where it is. And then the Israelites are in captivity for 400 years. And then come to the minor prophets and Ezra and Nehemiah, and then the temple gets rebuilt. Jerusalem gets rebuilt. The wall in Nehemiah gets established. And the temple eventually is restored, but it doesn't look anything like it did when Solomon built it. Not nearly as beautiful. Still impressive, but not nearly as beautiful. But yet, it's still written in the scriptures that that temple would have a greater glory than the temple before and the tabernacle before. Why? Because some 400 years later, you know, at this time of year we celebrate it, Jesus was born. And eventually, Jesus would walk in that temple and Jesus would teach in that temple. And in so doing, Jesus fulfills that prophetic um, vibe from the Old Testament that eventually this would be even greater. Why? Because he becomes the temple, comes in, teaches, gives his life up for us, and rises from the dead after three days. Now, in the Gospels, you'll read Jesus really offended a lot of people at different times. But in this one particular case, he's talking about the temple and somebody is remarking, one of the disciples, look how wonderful it is. And Jesus says, I'll tear this thing down or you can destroy this temple and I'll rebuild it in three days. Everyone's like, what are you talking about? Destroying the temple. Herod had just done an amazing renovation and it was beautiful and golden and all this kind of crazy. And you're talking about tearing the temple down, Jesus. But what he was talking about was himself, Right? He was talking about himself as the temple. You destroy me, I will rise from the dead. And then something amazing happens. Worship is no longer located in a place. Worship is no longer done only by certain people. Worship is now for everyone, everywhere. The Apostle Paul writes and tells us that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit and reflecting Jesus' glory. The Holy Spirit lives in us, right? So Jesus says to the woman, the hour is coming that you're going to worship in spirit and in truth. You worship what you do not know, he says. Pastor Glenn's going to talk a little bit about this next week in our value of experiencing God, our knowledge of him and experience of him. Jesus says, you worship what you do know, not know. We worship who we know. The hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The word worship here refers to that Old Testament style of worship. 
And the, the, the Greek word there for worship, translated worship, is proskuneo. Proskuneo. And it means to prostrate oneself, to bow down. And if you think about movies you've seen, or if you understand a little bit about ancient history, you would understand that bowing was the way to worship. You would bow to idols, you would bow, you would bow to authority, you would do all of those sorts of things. So it's a natural word to embody this idea of worship, Old Testament worship, encompassed in this bowing down. There was rules to follow. You would go somewhere. I don't know for sure. This is not Bible. This is just Paul. I don't know for sure, but I bet that there was some entrepreneurial guy who was hawking mugs or their version of mugs around the temple saying, hey, little boy, come buy this thing. You can take it with you and remember your journey because it was a long journey, long journey away. They could remember the experience, but they couldn't take it with them. But now Jesus comes and he's saying, no, 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 no. Here's where you worship. You can take this with you wherever you go. Proskuneo, that's the word there. But then when you go to Romans 12, and we'll read it one more time, Romans 12, 1, it says, finally, my brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, for it is your spiritual worship. I'm going to read the value that we are talking about today. Worship, and we're talking about worship more based on the scriptures we've read today. Worship is never over. There is always more we can give. More we can express in singing and in prayer. More artistry and words to be offered. More ways to serve God and love others. We worship God in every way we can. Every time we can. And we will never stop. Nathan was talking about a Romans 12 understanding of worship, and and it's this value, all-encompassing, never stopping, always happening, always more to do and more to give. But it doesn't fit the temple style of worship. It doesn't fit the, the original worship in the Old Testament where it was reserved for certain people at certain times in certain places. Jesus came and turned that on its head and said, no, 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 now you're gonna worship right here, right where I am at. And now that I have gone and ascended to heaven, you can worship and carry this worship Wherever you go, it's not just the singing of songs. It's not just prayers alone. It's not just when we come together. It is everything that we do. It is everything that we are. A life yielded to Jesus Christ. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. In that old style of worship, the proskuneo style of worship, there was a lot of sacrifice, animal sacrifice involved to atone for sin. But death is over. Jesus has broken the power of death. And so it's not about dying in that sense, in the literal sense anymore. It is about living, living for him, sharing his love. Worship more is about telling the story of Christ's love. It's about living your life out in submission to him. It's where our unique design becomes a part of worshiping God. You're unique. You've got unique purposes, and God has unique plans for you. And we've talked about how we come together as a unique church in the city of Halifax. There's all kinds of our friends in other local churches. We love them and pray for them, and we hold common beliefs, core beliefs. We're going to talk about that in the new year. But these things we're talking about in terms of values are our unique design as a church. But our church is built of who? You and me. 
And we come together with our unique design, different jobs, different interests, doctors, dentists, lawyers, carpenters, builders, writers, teachers, nurses. We could go on and on, artists. We all have unique purposes. Worship more. Not so much about the songs you sing or coming together here. It's about the life you live. It's not about if you will worship. It's about who you will worship. The if is over. We're always worshiping. We're either worshiping God or we're not. The when we live our life out, whether it's in the hospital or the business place or the teaching place or wherever we are, the business world, when we are living our lives out, we are living them out as worship. The question is, for whom? Are we worshiping God or are we worshiping self? Or It's not a question of if, it's a question of who. And so now we have this idea of proskuneo, the Old Testament style of worship. Then here in Romans 12, we have this living sacrifice language that is our spiritual worship. And if you look at that word worship, what you'll find is the original language is talking about worship. They're both translated fairly in English into worship. But the original word has a deeper meaning, which is service. Latiria, service, or in service of. And you'll notice Paul's language there when it's translated into the English. It says, which is, so holy living sacrifice, holy and acceptable God, which is your spiritual worship. Other translations sometimes use the word duty in there. Or your spiritual worship of service. You see, it's no longer about just coming and doing what the priest said and coming in a certain way once in a lifetime or once in a year or once a week. It's about living a life of service to God. And then we have all these expressions, singing and prayer and service and doing all these different things that we do that become expressions of worship. But worship is your life. Worship is my life. Worship more. Worship more. So now that we have an understanding of what it is to worship God in the context of Jesus Christ coming and saving us and delivering us, and now he's ascended at the right hand of God as we sang earlier, well, what does that all mean? How do we take this and apply it then to our lives? Well, there's a wonderful example, and we read it already in John, sorry, in Matthew 26, of this kind of worship. The plot is thickening in the Gospels. Jesus is about to be betrayed. He's going to give up his life. And the Bible says this. Now, when Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, a woman came up to him with an alabaster flask, very expensive ointment, and she poured it on his head as he reclined at the table. And when the disciples saw it, they were indignant saying, why this waste, for this could have been sold for a large sum and given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, said to them, why do you trouble this woman? For she has done a beautiful thing for me. For you will always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. In pouring this ointment on my body, she has done it to prepare me for burial. Truly, I say to you, whenever the gospel is preached or proclaimed in the world, what she has done 
will also be told in memory of her. Nathan's going to come back and we're going to prepare to worship God in singing here in a few moments as we begin to wind down this message. The woman here in the chapter, uh, many of you will know, was identified in uh, another of the Gospels in John chapter 12 as Mary. Mary knew Jesus. And Mary came and she broke this alabaster box. You know what we had talked about? Souvenirs, right? Talked about keepsakes and things. It was likely, it was likely, well, we don't know for sure, but it was likely at Mary's bat mitzvah or shortly thereafter when she became, uh, from the Jewish standpoint, a woman. Thoughts in that time would have gone to marriage because ultimately you'd have to be married to survive in many ways. And so this jar, scholars will tell us, this jar of alabaster perfume that was very expensive, that cost a year's salary, really represented marriage for Mary. It was her dowry, it rep- or part of her dowry. It represented her future. It represented her livelihood in many ways because she needed to get married to survive in that society. So when she comes and she breaks this box, it's not just about it being costly. It's about latiria. It's about that kind of worship that's living sacrifice worship. She's breaking that box and in so doing, saying, I'm tying myself to you, Jesus. I'm depending on you for my future. Not on a man, not on what the culture says. I'm tying myself to you. I'm breaking this box. And I'm going to trust in you. It was expensive. And the Bible says it wasn't the Pharisees. It wasn't the Pharisees. It was the disciples who were indignant. That's not how we do things here. Who do you think you are? You're not following the rules. You're not following the regulations. That's not what we do. This is how we do it. Don't you know how how much we could have helped the poor? Don't you know how much we could have done for this cause? But she just, she was going to worship more. No matter what the world told her, no matter what people said. And I believe today that God is still looking just like he was in John 4. For people who will worship him in spirit and in truth. That is, people who will worship him more. Surrendering their lives in truth to worship Jesus. Worshiping him everywhere because he's not limited by when he's the spirit goes everywhere. With you and I. The disciples were indignant. Have you ever had anyone say, no, 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 you can't do that? No, you know what? You need to have a backup plan. Well, look at Mary's backup plan, church. That's the kind of radical faith we got to have. That's the kind of radical faith we need to stir up. We need to get rid of the plan Bs and stick with plan A, which is breaking the box. Breaking the box and tying ourselves to Jesus. It'll look different for you and for me. But if we want to worship more, we got to break the box. We got to break the box. The other remarkable thing about Mary's story is Jesus said she anointed him for his death. And the Bible tells us that she was there when he died. She was there 
when his body was laying out. She was there to finish the job. What about you and I today? Will we be there to finish the job? Well, what does that mean, Paul? Well, that means your purpose, the passions you have, the way God has called you. You'll notice the language we use very intentionally in defining this value. It talks about loving others. It talks about the gospel. This all fits within the context of our overall mission, which is tied to the Great Commission, which is to reach this city in the unique way that God has called us to as a church. And that can only happen when you and I together come together and bring our unique purposes, our unique design. We break the box and we say, God, you know what? You can have it all. But will we be there at the end? I think we can. I think if we understand worship, if we understand God's empowerment that we've heard about, and we learn to go out and do what he's called us to do and then run back to him to get strengthened, and we run back out and do what he's called us to do, and we begin to keep doing that, we will make progress in fulfilling the plans and purposes of God. The other final thing I want to say about this story is if you read it in John 12, it says when the box was broken and when Mary began to worship Jesus and wiped his feet with her tears and dried them with her, with her hair, it says that the whole house was filled with a fragrance. If you'll break the box today and every day, wherever you go, as the temple of the Holy Spirit, there will be a fragrance. There will be the scent of God. There will be his presence. Whether you're working in a library, a back room somewhere, stocking shelves, operating, business, law, whatever the case is, wherever you go will be Jesus. Will be Jesus. So are we going to be there at the end? Are we going to embrace this new Testament style of worship, worship more? Will you stand with me this morning? I invited Nate to come back and lead us. And, you know, we, we're not legalistic here in the sense that we have to do things a certain way all the time. And I said, bro, what if we just strip it down to guitar for a few moments? And we love the band. We love all of that. It's not speaking about that. Worship is not just music. But I said, what if we just strip it down for a few moments? just to give you all the opportunity to, to hear your voice, to hear yourself singing to God, to hear his spirit whispering to you. Lord, this morning we want to break the box. God, we have a desire to worship more. And we recognize today in reading your word that has to do with our lives. It doesn't have to do with worship in one place, at one time, in one moment where we're left with souvenirs, memories, God, of those moments, and then we go and live our lives. No, 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 no. You are about bringing that experience to us wherever we are. We don't need a souvenir. We can have you wherever we are. We can worship wherever we are. And so this morning, God, we surrender to you again. Take our lives, God, a living sacrifice, and use them, Lord, for your glory. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen.